can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Heather on Talking Pools Podcast with Hump Days with Heather. I have an amazing guest with us today. So, Mr. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself and what you do and so on and so forth. Hi, uh, Heather. Thank you for having me. This is Josh Sandler, uh, and I own a company called Gold Metal Pools uh, here in the North Texas area, uh, originally Frisco-based. We've been in business since uh, 1997, and I'm uh, really excited to talk to you today about uh, swimming pools. That's what we do. Great. Yeah. And I know Josh, like from an online stand presence, I don't know him personally, but of course we competed against him many bids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they are a good company. Gold Medal does build really good pools. I, you know, I've actually got to work on some of y'all's pools with remodels from over the past years. And I can honestly say the quality has been great. And I don't have to go back and fix a lot of beam issues, substrate issues, and a lot of cracks because soil testing wasn't done. And, you know, I just, it makes our job easier as we come in from builders that actually do this. Correct. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. We uh, sure try to do a good job. We all do. Y'all do. So I want to kind of talk with Josh today about kind of customer mergers and acquisitions with other businesses because he has grown his business well over the last few years and they are still kind of inquiring some business with mergers and all that. So Josh, kind of tell me some insights and factors that made you drive to pursue mergers and acquisitions. I'm sure that's a great question. I'd be happy to uh, shed some light on that. Maybe with a little history first. So, you know, my family started building in this market, uh, North Texas market, uh, in the mid to early 1970s. Uh, we were really a construction-based family. I mean, that's what we did. We built pools. I grew up building swimming pools. Um, and we really started to grow gold metal uh, when we started in 1997 uh, solely as a residential uh, based pool builder. We didn't do, uh, we did service and repair as we needed to to service our clients, but it really wasn't a part of our business. Uh, as we continued to grow that over the years uh, and really build a wonderful team to to do great work, um, we actually started on the commercial side in about 2009, uh, built up a pretty sizable commercial piece of the business. Um, and then about 10 years ago, we really started focusing on maintenance. And when I say maintenance, I mean weekly cleaning and then repair being repairs on equipment and and, uh, whatever was needed to take care of our clients and be a turnkey provider. Um, When the big freeze hit a few years ago, we really saw an opportunity in the value of service and maintenance and repair. And so we made the decision to see what what we thought it would take to grow it, um, to grow with scale and to grow with quality Uh, doing no harm to the customers and the employees. So, um, you know, we did about 16 acquisitions from the time of the freeze uh, until uh, the beginning of last year. Um, Once we got those 16 acquisitions under our belt here locally, uh, we paused and we took a little bit of time 
to really uh, look in the mirror, take our lessons learned, understand uh, what things we did well, what things we could do better, and really what metrics, procedures, things that we needed to really to be able to scale this thing without the customer feeling like they were dealing with a big conglomerate. So uh, we did that. And through that, we saw the opportunity uh, to really grow this piece. Um, and in doing that, uh, we successfully sold our commercial company in the first quarter of this year. Uh, the reason we did that was just solely for the power of focus. Uh, we've got a wonderful leadership team, uh, wonderful operations team, uh, just really a great group of people that come together every day like a family and uh, are all aligned for the same goal. So once we refined all of our processes, we've really started to kick up our mergers and acquisitions and organic growth piece. Uh, we successfully closed on our 21st acquisition um, this past month. Whoa! Uh, proud to say those are going really, really well. Um, you know, we really measure those by uh, the happiness of the customers as well as the employees. And we're really proud to say even on the last acquisition we did um, was about 385 pools. Uh, and I believe we've lost one pool because uh, the homeowner moved and not a single employee. So that to me is the feedback that tells us that we're doing a good job, right? And 100%. We're taking, we're taking great care of the customers. We're giving employees opportunities. Uh, we're giving the founders these really well-run businesses, uh, liquidity events and opportunities to retire that they might not otherwise see just running the business. So that's exciting. All around is just an ex exciting for us to see people grow and do well. That's awesome. So let's touch base when you said that you looked at what you were doing wrong and what you could do better. So let's touch on those points because, you know, my podcast is all about the business side and the growing side of the business. Yeah. So let's touch point, you know, as you learned what to do during these first 16 acquisitions that you did, what are some key points that you learned to do versus not to do? And how did you improve on those? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, simple things. Uh, really, communication is the most important piece, right? Mm -hmm. And just because you've been in the business for a long time and you have a number of longstanding customers does not mean anything to a new customer. You really have to no. over communicate that. You have to help them to, under, to, to really understand the value that you bring and how you're just really there for them and you're a team and, and, and together. Uh, through this pool ownership process. You know, we also uh, spent a lot of time um, improving our measurements for daily chemical usage, daily fuel usage, daily uh, whatever the case may be, uh, and training. Because we had had a team of techs that we had trained from the ground up, and we knew month over month what that was going to produce uh, from an operation standpoint, from a gross margin standpoint, from a net margin standpoint. Uh, you start bringing in a handful of other uh, really great employees that maybe don't have the same level of training or look at it a, just a different way, not necessarily wrong than you do. Um, there, you, you can really, uh, you can really, you start to see an impact on the PL ultimately, right? Um, and in turnover too. So you know, people inherently really want to do a great job at their job. I believe that. You know, we see the good side in people, uh, but if if there's an issue and you wait till the month's over and then you wait 20 days to report your financials, if there's been an issue that's been going on for 50 days, a lot of times it's harder to repair than if you can measure their performance and usage on a daily basis. So uh, we invested several million dollars in um, operational consultants and process improvement to be able to measure that on a daily basis. So now 
um, in communicating with everyone. They understand their part to the success of the business, to the success of the client, to the success for them personally and as a whole. And so now we're able, being that we're able to measure our operations daily, if something is off or out of whack, we can correct it and teach it early and often. Hopefully, it it ultimately eliminates employee turnover, customer turnover, because you're able to nip it in the bud and manage it on a daily basis as opposed to a monthly basis. Right. Because who doesn't like, I mean, as customers as themselves, it a customer, whether you bring a problem to them, then they bring the problem to you. Like that's what we found, you know, when we did routes, like, hey, Mrs. Smith, we found that Joe Blow didn't do this properly upon our, you know, quality check. So we're sending the manager out to train him on that. You know, that goes so far on a customer standpoint, then them finding it, bringing it to you, then your office staff has no idea. You know what I mean? So it's always good to make sure that you have that training as you see it and as you go. Because we did the same thing with our routes. You know, we had a route supervisor. They were out checking every single week of what's going on and for each customer's long pictures and everything else going in. So that's great. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, it, it really adds to the success of individuals. Um, you know, if something's not going right, as a leadership team, as CEO of this business, you know, the first place we look is in the mirror. And, yep. And Leaders you drive said, your employees 100%. Yeah. And, you know, training is a very important piece. So we've we've took one of our most senior folks who uh, uh, started as a pool cleaner, came up as a tech, ran our whole service department, opened another office for us in another location in town. And his full-time job now is just to train people um, and come in daily, have daily huddles, um, you know, different times a year calls for different items to look out for, right? And right. So we're just, uh, rather than communicating monthly or weekly, we're just, we're taking it every day and we're just trying to teach them and teach our team and help people grow. And by doing this, you can really recognize your A players and help promote them and grow their careers quicker. Yeah, because no employees like to be stagnant in business, no matter what business it is. They want opportunities to grow. They want opportunities to better themselves. And if they don't, sometimes they're not the perfect employee for your team. So found that out a long time ago. Yeah. So what are some key considerations for businesses when evaluating potential merger and buyout opportunities that you look for when you look for those? Uh, no, number one thing we're looking at is the team, right? Um, you know, we're not the type of merge and acquisitions that just wants to come in and cut everybody to to uh, inflate the profits. Um, we want to come in, understand the team that's there. We want to understand the tenure of the people that have, that, that have worked on the team, the level of experience. We also want to understand the tenure of the client because the thing that really builds this is having the lifetime value of clients and the lifetime value of team members and helping them grow. So we're looking at things like turnover rates and employees. We're looking at things like uh, actual pricing on the swimming pools, uh, you know, what they're charging per month and how much they are, because we did learn that, you know, if, if employees and uh, customers can really only handle so much change. So to think you can come in, change the route, change the day, change the price, change, change the method the of communication, change the people. Frankly, even if you are doing a fantastic job, which I feel that we do, it just becomes, it just becomes too much. So we've yeah. been really thoughtful around um, some of these businesses that do need some change uh, before we can physically close. Uh, we've we've invested a lot of time, some of them uh, as much as a year or more, in just helping them to get these changes in place prior to closing. Uh, and that's just our investment in time. And, and it ultimately increases the proceeds for the sellers right. by helping them to clean the business up or price it a certain way or manage it 
in a certain way to get it on our system. So, you know, we're just trying to be good partners. Um, we're pretty flexible in our approach, but really just uh, evaluating the people and just the overall business is what we look at. Yeah, I agree. Well, like when we sold off our cleaning route, so we had like 450, 500, you know, when I sold off the cleaning route. So it wasn't very large, like compared to y'all's that y'all have thousands and thousands, right? And, right. you know, the first thing that come to our mind was, okay, our employees, because our employees were actual employees. They weren't 1099s, like a lot of the pool cleaners are in Texas or anywhere for that matter, you know, it doesn't matter. And that was my first thing is like, okay, if you, if you take my cleaning route, you have to take my crew. Like they have to be well taken care of. You can get the trucks, the crews, you know, so on and so forth. But my number one thing is making sure that the employees are taken care of because those employees have worked their ass off for me for over the years. And that way they can go ahead and go up and move into where they need to move into for that business. So that's always very important. So, so I I guess, I'm sorry. Good. I can tell you this, but one of the most important things we look at and we look at it just uh, through the HR lens, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been extremely diligent to make sure that any employee that comes over uh, from a comp benefits workload, um, does not go backwards, not even a fraction of an inch. We're, yep. no, no matter Move what forward. our standard of pay is, we have been very thoughtful to make sure that uh, people are are moving laterally and forward, never backwards. Agreeable. So that's a good thing. So like when you, so like provide me examples of successful business mergers that resulted in a significant growth for you. That's that's really probably old. a loaded question because I know you've done so many, but what's like the number one that you can think of? Well, I mean, they've all been really successful and they continue to get more and more successful just because we, we're becoming better acquirers, better stewards of the business, just with experience and really building a playbook around it. And this really kind of comes around to our overall vision that, you know, I'm a pool guy. I've been a pool guy my whole life. Uh, you know, like like many that have been in the business for mm-hmm. decades and decades, there isn't much that that we can't do or fix or build on our own. Yeah. Um, but we really see, you know, I really see this when I think about it from my uh, from my office here, not necessarily in the field. There's it's it's a wonderful business filled with wonderful people and wonderful clients. It's just really really fragmented and somewhat unprofessionalized. So where we feel we can bring the most value is by really consolidating these and professionalizing it and it's really our mission to just professionalize uh the industry you know and and leave it better than we found it and so as we think about that the next question people ask is well you know how big do you want to be um we don't necessarily we're not necessarily concerned with being the biggest we just want to be the best and so we really measure our success on the 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 retainage of clients and the retainage of employees and we found that if we can manage that to very high levels, that the financial piece works out. And so if any point in our growth, we feel like we're losing that edge, uh, we just pause, right? We pause, we look within, we make sure, because, you know, in any business, you have so many different variables of weather right. and people and customers and things that a spreadsheet won't tell you. So throughout our growth, you know, we just have the mission and the goal to be the best for our clients and the best for our employees. And as long as we stay focused on that, uh, the growth continues, right? So how do you handle so being the best for your clients, right? As you know, as every pool industry person knows right now, with the fluctuation of all the costs and chemicals and everything that's going on, 
and you have customers that come to you and they're like, okay, well, I can get it on Amazon for a hundred dollars less than what I can get it from you. How do you overcome that challenge with your clients that you currently have in dealing with not throwing so much product change at them? Because with the cost of chemicals going through the roof and buying in bulk and still, it still gets expensive, you know, month over month. It does. So, you know, our team, we do a really good job at monitoring costs. We've got some great buying partnerships uh, to hold cost in place just because of our size and scale and really just mm-hmm. our track record. Uh, we don't move around much with that. We have longstanding relationships that, you know, people understand the cycles of business. If, if you've been through them, you have some that are great and some that aren't. And and we do our best to kind of steady that line out. And we've been pretty successful with that in controlling costs. You know, and as far as our clients, if we're doing a good job for them, uh, and they've learned, you know, you'll have uh, your handful of people that want to buy something on Amazon, but we generally don't see that. We, you know, our clients, uh, we've spoiled them to the point where, you know, they want a turnkey service at a fair price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also some kind of a warranty or someone to stand behind it. Um, we found our clients have told us that's more valuable than saving $10 on $10. Amazon. Yeah, okay, so. agreeable. Like I tell, but, you know, everybody that, you know, I try to help is, hey, you've got to share that value. You've got to let that client understand that value and what that value is as a company versus buying on Amazon. Because if you, if you've proved that value, they shouldn't be looking at Amazon. But, you know, you get those clients all the time. They're like, okay, well, give me an itemized list. I want your cost in this and that. I mean, it's just those clients are not the right clientele for you. That's what I tell my people, like find different clients. Hey there, hardworking contractors. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Look no further than Integrity Consultants, your partner in success. Imagine having a coach who's not just a textbook expert, but a seasoned contractor with over 15 years of hands-on experience in the field. That's right. We understand the challenges you face because we have been there too. Our tailored coaching programs are designed to help you master the art of business from winning bids to boosting profits. We'll guide you through proven strategies that actually work in the real world. But it's not just about the numbers. We're here to help you build a thriving business that brings you joy and freedom. With Integrity Consultants, you'll gain the confidence to make those tough decisions and steer your company towards greatness. Join our community of successful contractors that's transformed their business with the expert guidance of Integrity Consultants. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Ready to turn your dreams into reality? Visit our website at integrity-consultants.com and go to the client intake form or call or text us at 214-427-5803 to schedule your free consultation. Integrity Consultants, where your success story begins. Invest in yourself today and watch your business soar. We've made also made a tremendous uh, investment in, in, in good old-fashioned customer service training. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things we've done over the years, we've developed a call center to make sure that we could have folks here to answer the phone that are trained across the different lines of business so we don't, don't bounce them around to different departments. You know, if you call into Gold Medal, it doesn't matter if it's a service client, a maintenance client, a commercial client, a residential client, a renovation client. You're going to talk to one person because you called gold medal. We're not going to bounce you around the office. So part of our big investment is we've been doing a uh, we've built a weekly curriculum uh, with testing online for customer service. And then we do a big quarterly summit uh, where we have a guest trainer come in that's been very, very successful in the customer service industry. And so, you know, we we deal with real world situations to understand how to overcome those objections. And so 
part of our weekly meetings and our team has been really good. Uh, we'll actually take and, and pull from our phone system and we'll pull a handful of phone calls each week, mm-hmm. listen back to them. And then really as a group collectively, you know, sometimes have some good laughs um, and, and, and really understand and ha- have everybody reading from the same sheet of music, if you will. Yeah. And really making people feel valued, making your customer, no matter how many pools we do, they need to know that we appreciate their business. And every single pool that we step foot on, no matter how many we do, is equally as important as the next. And, if, and we feel like if we can communicate that from the tip to the tail of the organization, uh, people will continue to, to stick with us and do business and grow. Agreeable. So tell me about some of the challenges or pitfalls that the business should be aware of during the merger or buyout process. Uh, yeah, so uh, we've become uh, very good stewards of that and trying to, because frankly, um, not many people in the pool industry have been through this, you know, right. much like myself when I started, you know, just a, we're just good, hard working folks, you know, we're mm-hmm. blue collar people that take care of people and make a good living and do what's right and take care of our families. And so it's really us up to us to, to walk them through the process because you know, I, before I learned what I know about it, you know, I, I just thought mergers and acquisitions was like what you see in the movies. And it's really sharp elbowed and there's a winner and there's a loser and, and, <laughs> and there's not, you know, we're into deals where where the the business founder and the seller wins. And it's something that's valuable and we have the ability to win, too. You know, we're not really into the winning and losing business. So that's the main thing is to really be able to communicate that to people and to reach a mutual understanding that. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of private equity out there uh, trying to get into the pool business. As a matter of fact, investing a lot in the pool business. But you know, one of the fundamental differences is that you know we're pool people. You know, we got here with our two hands, turning wrenches and digging holes like everybody else that we're talking to. So, you know, there's the, there's the financial side of it, but it's really just achieving a comfort level uh, with these folks that have poured their life's work and their blood, sweat, and tears into this, and 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 grown their their physical families and their work families as well. Mm-hmm. Agreeable. So what would you, I guess, outside of growing it, would you suggest if somebody's looking for the merger and the acquisition of another company, would you suggest that they go find an investor to be able to sustain that? Or how would you suggest they start it? Uh, that that really just depends. You know, the thing that makes this, the professionalization of this this. Uh, business attractive is is just the overall scale, and really really be able to build something that's thoughtful and measurable uh, at a considerable size. And so, you know, if someone is really wanting to get into the business, um, it just depends on what their appetite is for investment. Um, you know, and 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 how much how much capital they're willing to invest in it. Because really, our biggest investments are not only in the companies that we buy, but in the customer service training and the call center technology and the operational consultants. So, you know, we're spending millions and millions of dollars uh, in people and training before we even buy a single company. So, you know, if I was going to give advice to anybody, I would just say, make sure your house is in order and you've got a solid foundation to build on. Correct. Exactly. So speaking of solid foundation for a house, how do you navigate the cultural differences and integration challenges when you're merging the two organizations together? Very carefully <laughs> with kit gloves. Uh, we really are thoughtful. Um, we go the extra mile. Our uh, We don't even call it the HR department anymore, our people department. 
um, is really thoughtful and going above and beyond to make sure that everyone's comfortable. Uh, we make sure that the communication is there. Uh, you know, we have financial incentives in place for these folks. Uh, we have financial incentives in place, uh, you know, for the new employees coming on or even at the time of close, just to help them understand that, um, you know, we're here for them and we want to see them grow. Yeah. So whenever you're doing your due diligence in the mergers and acquisitions, what are some critical areas to focus on? Minus the people, of course, what besides the people, what else do you really focus on? And the price? Uh, really, it depends on location. You know, we're looking at unit economics. We're looking at, you know, uh, employee compensation. We're looking at cost management. We're looking at uh, route density. We're looking at uh, very hard at length and duration of customer, customer turnover, yeah. employee turnover. Those are things we've all found that can can really have a significant impact on the financial piece. So how do you determine the optimal structure or terms for the merger or the buyout deal when you're looking at them? Uh, that's a great question. You know, we're, we're extremely flexible uh, in our approach and our capital. So uh, the way we determine the structure is we ask a lot of questions and we listen. And we listen to what the seller or the seller's team wants to accomplish. Uh, and it might be being part of a bigger company and, and rolling some equity and growing. It might be, you know, retiring and being able to go out and visit their parents in El Paso that they haven't seen in six years. So uh, there isn't a black and white answer for this. Like traditional private equity, we really spend a lot of time just learning what people want to accomplish. And then we we really work hard to come up with a thoughtful structure that accomplishes uh, what these people want to accomplish uh, and create value for us as well. Agreeable. 100% agreeable. So can you discuss the role of like legal and regulatory considerations in the mergers and acquisition landscapes? Uh, yeah, you know, it depends uh, from area to area, but we spend uh, a lot of time on that. Um, you know, we're pretty thoughtful in our diligence to make sure that, that uh, these companies are, state and federally compliant with employment laws. Um, like you said, um, a lot of the industry may or may not follow those rules. And that's something that's a big turnoff for us. You know, we're looking for people that, you know, pay their taxes, uh, play it by the book, keep within the rails because there's, and, you know, because the majority of people do do it right. And yeah. we're looking at how they manage their fleet. We're looking at, you know, what's most tax beneficial for them to, to structure the deal. So here again, each one's different, um, but we've really built a good team and a playbook, if you will, over 21 acquisitions to uh, uh, make sure that, you know, it's not so invasive that it's just a nightmare for someone, but something where we can all, you know, shake hands and, 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 and make a deal to where everybody feels comfortable that, you know, they got what they signed up for. Yeah. And so making somebody comfortable, say somebody's not comfortable, right? So how do you manage that communication expectations of not only the stakeholders, but the employees, the shareholders, the owners during this whole process of the merger or buyout? Yeah. So it's a great question. We just, we, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings, uh, you know, a lot of interpersonal communication, a lot of communication, you know, a lot of hugs, a lot of handholding and just really a lot, a lot of, of tears. Yeah. And a, and a lot of listening. I mean, that's really what it takes. Every every person is different. Every situation is different. So for us to say we have a, you know, black and white process around that would be the farthest thing. Um, you know, we just show people that we care and we just listen to them and we just try and help alleviate any questions or concerns they have. And, uh, 
we've been pretty successful at that. So what made you decide to do your first merger and acquisition? Like what was your light for that? Like what determined that? Uh, really that big freeze. It just opened my eyes to the opportunity. You know, we had grown a, a pretty sizable service and maintenance division organically mm-hmm. at that through our construction. Uh, and, and in all honesty, I was, a you know, I, by nature, I was a construction guy. Right. That's what I did. And, but we, I was a construction guy that cleaned and maintained pools. Really, when when that happened and we saw the value of our long-term relationships, our buying power, the ability to procure materials and seeing the whole team come together through all the divisions and service these people that have been devastated by this power outage and this freeze, you know, that's when it really opened our eyes. We were sitting in our in our Frisco office and the power was out for a week and we were drawing on the whiteboard how we were going to service the thousand calls an hour we were getting. And, you know, at that point we said, wow, there's really an opportunity here. And, and uh we're pretty good at this. <laughs> so, yes. you know, so how did you handle that? Like, cause like, I know for us, my husband and one other technician loaded up in my SUV that had snow drive and they were just freeze, you know, and thaw on everything, not dethawing, but you know, freeze winterizing everything and draining everything. And it was insane, insane. And then now that that's done, right. Our economy has kind of turned a bit and now it's, the COVID stuff is kind of done. The free stuff is done. And now everybody's kind of watching their money a little bit more. So, so how do they, how do y'all deal with that right now? Um, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we were very fortunate, to, you know, one through our buying relationships, but we, uh, through our construction divisions and, and service and maintenance, uh, when the freeze hit, we literally had hundreds of employees and we saw this family of employees come together, all hands on deck. So we, we literally had hundreds of people answering phones that maybe didn't do that all the time. We had hundreds of people checking pools and equipment that don't necessarily do it all the time, but know enough about swimming pools. And so we saw everybody come together, um, you know, and naturally we saw the big boom in uh, uh, construction through COVID. Um, you know, frankly, different than what the market's saying, we've been pretty steady in our new pool numbers. We've been very steady in our uh, organic maintenance growth numbers and our service and repair numbers. And, you know, I've been through enough cycles in this business now to know that mm-hmm. if you have the right team in place and you go above and beyond to take care of people, make them feel appreciated, appreciated, whether it's their employment with you or or their their business and thank them for their business. Um, you know, the market may shrink, but we've been very successful in what's considered a, a down economy. We haven't seen it as much. Yeah, good. I know some of the companies are struggling right now, you know, with work and I get people that call me all the time. You got anything for us? You got anything for us? Because like their businesses aren't doing well. And and I think it's crazy that some people, they actually stop their marketing when the economy is having a hard time. I'm like, no, you need to be increasing your marketing at this point, right? They're like, no, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, trust me. Yes, you can't. You you stop your marketing and already in a bad economy, you're gonna you're gonna go out of business. Like you've got to increase that marketing at that point. For sure. Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate with little marketing and just word of mouth. And you know, we're spending some time around that now. But here again, just work hard, take care of people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we built a pretty pretty solid name and reputation that we're really proud of, and that's carried us through the good times and the what's considered yeah. to be rough. Yeah. yeah. So how do you find your companies that you're looking to acquire? Like, where do you look for these at? Uh, that's a great question. You know, uh, this all started, uh, you know, out of the 21 that we've done, uh, we really haven't used a single 
a business broker. We've just been, you know, when you've been in the industry as long as I have on, on the scale that we have, you know, you build some pretty good national relationships and it's really a matter of just pounding the pavement and connecting good people with good people. We've just, you know, I spend a lot of time calling on the people that I've, I've talked to for years and relationships that I've built. And now the word's gotten out. People are really coming to us. Good. Yeah. And they're just like, okay, great. Cause that was like the hardest thing for me when we were letting go of our cleaning, you know, not only the employees, but just making sure that those customers are taken care of and they're not going to be sold off again in, in a year. You know, I wanted to make sure that whoever we gave them to, they were in it for the long haul for the most part, you know what, and they could take care of the clientele because it's always good. Like as a company looking to give that customer database to another company, you never know what they're going to do. Like I've told some of my clients where like under my integrity business that, Hey, what's some good employee things like you could do easily for company morale, right? Not just your clientele base. So like do a party with your employees as well as with your clients, right? We've done that a few times where we've done like cookouts and had bounce houses for the kids and it brings your company together with your employees and your customers. That way they can see like, Hey, we're humans too. You know, it kind of gets that personal level with them a little bit. That's been really successful for us in the past. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that is really important to communicate, if I could communicate anything that's anybody that's listening to this, you know, we realize the value of hard work. We realize the value of building a legacy and a name. And one thing you can rest assured in doing business with us is that, you know, if it's Joe's pools or Bob's pools or Heather's pools, that we will go above and beyond to make sure that the rapport and the legacy and all the hard work you've you've put in to building these clients and this business is uh, is is maintained and sustained for the long run. Well, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to to meet with us and kind of go over that business acquisition because you have a wealth of knowledge on that. Obviously, you know, doing over twenty for your business and just the exponential growth that you've done with your business and where y'all started and where y'all have become. And I look forward to seeing the next chapter with y'all. I really appreciate the time and uh, appreciate the thoughtful questions and um, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Josh. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 